0: The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: This is your holy word and father for 25 years this pulpit has sought to proclaim nothing but your word. That your word is what is powerful and effective. And Holy Spirit, you tend to your word. And you illuminate hearts and minds that they might be transformed even in a moment. And Father, we would pray for that surprise work even today we're in our midst might be some men some women some children young or older who hear something for the first time that makes them say i want christ jesus no doubt father in our midst are those struggling like all of us with the temptations and sins of the world Lord, I pray that you would speak boldly through all of that, that we might be transformed by what we hear, because you're worth it. God help us to believe that you alone will satisfy. There's so many things that we are pursuing that we think will bring us satisfaction. But ultimately, Lord, it's you. So do that which only you can do even now. Extend your love, your mercy, your grace your kindness, your goodness, your glory to us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It's a beautiful day. For many weeks I've been anticipating this worship service, knowing the gifts that God has brought to this body, so many gifted musicians, the anthem at the beginning of the service, if you weren't able to be in here in time, was remarkable, written by Jay Marty. So many gifted people seeking to bring the Lord glory and humility. Think about Jane Burke. How many times she has received emails, first from Skip and then from me, with content going into this, faithfully serving this church quietly. So many people... So many that were there that first Sunday, 1500, but the church is a lot bigger than 1500 now. God has been extending this church, his church into this city and into all the world. I didn't pay attention to this church that first Sunday. I was on my honeymoon. (laughs) I paid attention to my bride 25 years ago. But it wasn't long after I got back to Oklahoma City where I was serving as a youth director at a little PCA church there that I heard that something big was happening in Dallas. Never did I dream that I would ever be in this city and in this church. I remember the first time I came to a worship service here. I was engaged in dialogue about becoming the youth pastor. And a friend of mine who had been here a few times said, It's the best worship service you'll ever go to. There's something about that statement that I love and something about that statement that I hate. What I love about it is I think he's right, which leads to pride, judgmentalness, a lot of other sins, which I hate. There's another thing I hate about it, too, and that is that it puts us in a posture, which we're so comfortable with, of being spectators, part of an audience, critics. That's not what God has called us to be. He's called us to be worshipers. And the reason we're going to get out at 1215 today is not because I'm going to preach very long. In fact, I'm not going to preach a whole lot longer. It will be the shortest sermon, I think, I've probably given and then no one skip. It's, it's just going to be the shortest sermon ever given. <laughs> but it is still the means of God's grace as is prayer and as is this table, which we're about to get to. But I do want to say a few things from Psalm 145. It's the last Psalm of David. And in the opening verse, David says, I will extol you, my God and King. I want to talk about two words. One word is taken directly from that verse, and another word is implied, and it's one of our favorites. So let's start with the word extol. The word extol is not one that you use very often. I I doubt rarely anyone goes to lunch after church and says, I extol the Lord today. But it's a great word. In David's last Psalm, he doesn't use, I praised God today. He doesn't say, I will praise you, my God and King. He says that in other Psalms, but he says, I will extol you, my God and King. And the word extol means enthusiastic praise. It means high praise. It means praise that is reserved for that which is above and beyond all. It is praise towards the one who is transcendent. And if you listen to this song that David wrote, and you lean in, you hear these majestic descriptions of God. Verse three Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. How could we ever enter a place of worship and think there's nothing more for us to learn about God? How could we ever enter a place of worship and leave going, "Eh," unless it's not Christ-centered, gospel-centered, biblical. There's so much more that we're going to learn about God that for all eternity, we will experience the heavenly awe. His greatness is unsearchable. How smart do you think you are as a Christian? You're not that smart. How brilliant do you think your mind is theologically? You're not that bright. How devoted do you think you are to the great things of God? You're not that devoted. God is unsearchable. And that's why David uses the word extol, enthusiastic praise, in fact, the people who really are the brightest and the most devoted, the most intelligent about doctrine and the word of God. They're so humble because they know that what David sings is true. Your greatness is unsearchable. You're transcendent. He's great, but he's also good. He is so good that he condescends to us. He is so good that he lets us search him. He is so good that he lets us find out new things, find out new things about him. He shows us glimpses of his glory. When we're 15 and 45 and 75 and 90 and on into eternity, that's awesome. That's why we should extol him. He is great. But he's not just great, he's perfectly great. But he's also good. David says both things in this beautiful song. Extol. I wanna extol God every time I'm with you. I hope as long as the Lord has me on earth and he has me in this place with you, that Sunday after Sunday we enter in saying, let us extol God. Let us praise him enthusiastically. Let us get beyond ourselves for his glory's sake. Let's ask him to help us get beyond ourselves because we can't do it. And let's extol him. Second word. It's not in here, but it's implied. And the word is extend. I remember hearing about the mission of Park City's Presbyterian Church. You've heard it too. And on this beautiful, special anniversary bulletin cover, there's our mission statement. The one that the Lord led this people to years ago. Extending the transforming presence of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ in Dallas and to the world. I remember hearing that for the first time, thinking that is beautiful. And I bet very few people have a clue what it means. Really, it's so beautiful. But it's beyond beautiful. It's powerful. But like phrases, like mission statements, you can just kind of put them on a wall or on a bulletin and people forget about them. But let's not do that. Let's take the word extol, which I've already unpacked for a moment, and now let's take the word extend. What does it really mean? Jerry Gibson who's the director of our world missions and church planting, not long ago, maybe a year, brought the definition of extend to me and to us. When I heard it, I said, that's gonna be big. That's gonna be big in the life of this church. I could tell, I just knew it. Listen to the three definitions of extend. Number one, verb. Extend means cause to cover a large area, make longer or wider. Well, that's what God has done. From those early conversations about the gospel and what was happening in the church and in the particular denomination that this church was a part of, conversations began to extend, not centered on man, but centered on the man, Jesus Christ. And the gospel began to expand it began to go longer and wider. And suddenly, one Sunday, 1500 people show up eager to be a part of something that is about extending the kingdom of God. And now it's happened in our own local area. And we continue to grow. And we will continue to grow. Do you know why? Because God has not done extending. God is not done using this church to make his gospel go longer and wider. He's doing it right now as college students gather in Florida for the RUF summer conferences. Maybe 800 this week, 800 last week, 800 next week. How awesome is that? Hundreds will leave this church this summer to go on short-term mission trips. But tomorrow, thousands will enter into schools in places of work, with the light of Christ shining through you, that's extending, longer and wider, expanding. The 2020 vision, the idea that the Lord laid on the hearts of some of the leaders in our church, that by 2020, we will plant 100 churches, 50 in the Southwest part of the United States, 50 in another part of the world, was accomplished a few years ago, well short of the year 2020. Now we're seeking his face. Lord, what's next? I don't know, but I can't wait to tell you when we know. And what will it look like for all of us to come together for a new generation of the Lord, expanding his kingdom that way? So that's what the word extend means first. Cause to cover a large area, to make longer or wider. Number two, extend means to hold something out to someone. that's what God has called us to do. He has called us to hold out the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. We hold it out to others that they might see by God's grace and glory that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's our gift to mankind. This is it. This is eternal life. The third definition means to exert or exercise oneself to the utmost. Have you ever exerted yourself to the utmost? Have you ever done something and you did too much maybe? You just, you gave it all you had and then you had nothing left to give. I do that for silly things sometimes like playing flag football or basketball in a body that should have stopped doing that a long time ago. And I feel the exertion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for the purpose of something so great and so glorious that we give ourselves completely. You've probably been a part of something like that at some point in your life, and you know it's right because the, the sense of God's pleasure in and over you is amazing. What will that look like, my friends, if that continues to be some, something that captures the hearts and minds of this whole body? That we will be about exerting and exercising ourselves to the utmost for God's glory. Not in order to earn his favor, we already have it. Not in order to make him more proud of us, he delights in us. But because he delights in us, because he delights in us, we want to extend because see, that's, that's the formula. God has extended himself to us that he might extend himself through us. Do you see that? God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world as a man, 100% man, 100% God, that he might live the life we could never live. He's perfectly righteous. He might die the death we all deserve to die, that he might save us from our sins for all eternity. That is how God extended himself. Jesus Christ walked upon this earth, and what did he do? He held out life for those who were walking in sin. He held out eternal life to those who were in sin. He said, as he held it out, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ was held out, and he held out. Lastly, though, Jesus Christ exerted himself. He exerted oneself to the utmost, literally, to death. And there he went carrying the cross as far as he could, collapsing, another man carrying it to the hill. And there Jesus was nailed on the cross. And he hung there, dying. We have a few of his words. And then when it came to the point when the Father's wrath had been poured out, when the price had been paid, Jesus said, it is finished. He had given his utmost. He breathed his last, and he died. He was taken down, a dead body, put in a grave. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit conquered death that you and I might live forever. What else can we do but extol that God who has literally saved us from eternal separation from him. He has saved us from hell. He extended himself to us that we might live forever. Do you know him? Have you trusted in him to forgive you of your sins? If you have then I want to remind you of one other extension. And that extension is this table. God gives us the means of grace that we might grow in him, in his likeness, more and more. This table is a table of extension It is a table that is given to those who trust in Jesus Christ. It is the great and glorious picture of God extending himself to us. It is a table for Christians to come to with joy. It is a table for Christians to come to and feast. It is a table for us as believers in Jesus to be fed and made more and more like Jesus. But it is not a table. This is important. Look at me, please. It is important that you hear this. It is not a Presbyterian table. It is a table for believers. But it is a table only for believers. If you have not yet professed faith in Jesus Christ, I have a question. Do you think it's possible that today Jesus has brought you to this place to extend himself to you? I'm asking you to consider that because I think it's possible. And if he is extending himself to you, showing you grace, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you believe, then this table is for you. This is a feast for you. But if you continue to reject that news, it's not. It is a table for God's people. So as the elements pass, I ask that you let them go by. But take this moment and be very sober and think about what you've heard. That God, the one true God, has extended himself to his people. Now, if you have received that extension, that invitation, I have a question for you. Is it the regular pattern of your life when you feast at the table? And when you come to this place of worship, to extol God, is it the regular practice of your life to come into this place and say, I want to extend myself, third definition, exerting myself and exercising myself to the utmost in order to extol my God? Because you see, there is a connection. And the connection is receiving this extension, and extolling the one who's extended himself to us. And here's what happens. The world sees that, and they want to know what is worthy of that kind of praise. It's not a football championship. It's not a promotion. It's nothing on this earth short of the one who was extended, who came, who lived and died that we might live forever. Today, as you come to the table and feast, pray that God would show you his grace, that you and I might extol him, praise him enthusiastically, for he is worthy and he alone is worthy of such praise. Let's prepare our hearts for the table. Would you please stand?
2: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
2: Lift up your hearts.
1: We lift them up to the Lord.
2: Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is right to give you thanks and praise. It is right and good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks unto you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty, everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and 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 with all all the company of heaven, Blessed God and Father, we do come to this table at your invitation, thanking you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray by your Spirit, Father, that you would pour out your blessings upon us, equipping us and shaping us into the men and women whom you would have us be. Send us from this place this morning, Father, in order that we might be salt and light in a lost and dying world. And we pray this in Jesus' strong and majestic name. Amen.
1: For I received from the Lord Jesus that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as you do eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. Alleluia. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take these in remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed on him in your heart with thanksgiving and drink in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. You may be seated. As the elders come forward and pass out the elements, I invite you to pass it to one another, saying, this is the body of Christ. And then when we pass the cup, this is the blood of Christ. Listen to this beautiful music and meditate upon Psalm 145, what you've heard already, his greatness and his goodness, his glory. And then as we pass the cup, sing about the love of God. This is the Lord's table. Let us
2: go here and feast. Elders, please come forward.